Hey, it's Sean, and this week on Tipple Theory, we're going to talk about tequila. Tipple Theory is the exploration of history and practice of creating alcohol around the world. On this show, we'll share some of the history of how your favorite beverages came to be, as well as techniques professional bartenders use to elevate your poison of choice into an experience worth savoring. Hello and welcome to this, 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 one of these episodes of Tipple Theory. I got in the tequila early. I'm <laughs> one of your hosts, Sean, joined with me. I'm September. September. Uh, so please, uh, before we start the show, please make sure you visit tipplethory.com today to find other episodes and ways to support us, like our Patreon. Now today we're going to be talking about tequila. Da, 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 da. Uh, da, da. Yeah, it's been in my head actually the whole time. Just watching Pee Wee dancing on a bar top. Tequila. Oh, can't help it. So before we start talking about tequila, um, like I mentioned, we I kind of started the show early in our pre-show. I've been drinking an El Diablo cocktail that I'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, what have you been up to since we last recorded in September? I went to brunch with some of my friends, which was really nice. Like we kind of used to do it a little more regularly, but you know, holidays happen. And everybody's running around being all crazy, doing all things and traveling. And so uh, my friend Lisa had invited us all like, hey, let's go do brunch on like January 7th. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to go sit down and make someone else cook for me um, <laughs> and have a Bloody Mary and catch up. So that was lovely. Uh, I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3. Um, yeah, I have my own game going and I have a game going with Rob. Uh, it, it's a game we purposely got so we can play together because we haven't played games together in forever. And, uh, I, he had already done almost a full playthrough. So getting a grip on the controls and everything, I went ahead and started my own. So when, you know, he goes to bed or he's working, I can jump in there and kind of get a better hang of things so he's not having to, you know, guide me through every little <laughs> part of the game. Sit there and go, uh Over here! Ugh! No, no, turn your camera, like, this way, because the camera controls are different than other games I've used, you know. It's keyboard control and stuff. Um, oh... Yeah, and like the you're playing it on a on a thing with a keyboard on a PC. Yeah, so I got my Razer mouse back out, so I've got a proper gaming mouse, but it's still like the camera. Like you can move the camera with your uh, W S, you know X, and then Q and E are backward. Like the can pan pans the direction opposite of the key you're hitting, and yeah, so the camera panning is weird. It doesn't work with the movement the way your mouse is for your movement. So it's just a little getting mm. used to that kind of stuff and, and where everything is. So I'm not like it's turn-based uh, combat, which is great because right. you can think yeah. about it for a minute. But I still have to know where all my damn buttons are, you know. So just getting the hang of it so we can also play together. And then it sucked me in. I played till 5 o'clock in the morning the other day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Uh, painting minis. I had, uh, after brunch, another friend came over in the evening and we painted minis. She's in our D&D game and we, for Christmas, had gotten her minis of her character type, like a draconian cleric. Cool. 
and we have all the paints and brushes and stuff and she's never done that so we sat and we painted minis and had some beverages and I'm considering Dragon Con and I know the Hunger Games are long over for hotels so I don't know what I'm going to do about a hotel but I think I really want to try and go this year. The kids are finally old enough for me to be able to take off and not worry about how they handle their crap at home. I've got friends that live close enough by I could park a car and then yeah. Uber into town and figure it out. Um, I have a lot of friends that go there now, like so many, like between you and Spider and uh, Chuck and Amy and the Grills and Diamond Club people, I'm like, I would have plenty of people to hang out and stuff to do. But, so, uh, I just had to figure out accommodations, basically. It's not it's not too bad to figure out still. And um, tickets. I can get tickets still, right? <laughs> tickets you can buy, I mean, don't buy them on site. That's just a pain in the butt. But you can buy them up to, like, a couple months before and still get them mailed to you, which I recommend. Uh, it's just, it's just like, uh, 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 um, many times easier. <laughs> it is, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it is helping uh, motivate me to do this. That you are will be there. Bob and I are talking about. I was like, you know, Sean and I really need to have a drink in person together at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah, we haven't had a drink in person. Like, like been drinking on camera so much. She's like la 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 la. It was like all my online friends. We, you know, I I've had in my Asheville meetup, and you didn't come to that, and you don't go to TMS Vegas, and like I've met so many online people in person. The Grills, uh, my former co-host, they came up here, and you know, I, and you and I have been uh, talking about drinks for years, and uh, have never had one together. So that's gotta oh happen. My God. It's weird that it's been that long, but yeah, it's, it, we can, yeah, we can. And that's a good, like, I'm not coming to Texas, right? Yeah, but, no, I mean, but honestly, you're gonna mean, be people right should, Georgia? people should move to Texas. I'm just saying only because then you can vote. <laughs> and then that would be nice. I understand. Uh -huh. But, uh, no, I, Florida was too yucky hot for me. No. North Carolina is hot as I can stand, but Georgia's a, a Atlanta's a real good compromise for us to to finally meet. Even if I yeah. don't go to Dragon Con, I'll have to just drive down and we'll have a drink. <laughs> Atlanta's pretty cool. I mean, especially for the food and drink scene. Um, I mean, Al Alton Brown lives out there. You, know, you get CNN's home base, and so you, um, so you there's a lot of and that's that's not the best explanation of yeah you should go down there and eat because Alton Brown's there. Uh, but <laughs> I moved out there when I, when I did, like, that was, like, 10 years ago. Um, and I remember just kind of, like, going, like, oh, my God, he's there, and they're there. And then, like, started just exploring the town and working in the industry. And I'm like, this is phenomenal. Like, it, it, it's, it's a well, good sign. Well, they talked about building a high-speed rail from Charlotte to Atlanta. And mm. I'm hoping that happens. That'd be good, too. Cause... Yeah. So what yeah. have you been up to? Oh, goodness. So I drove down to Houston this last week. Uh, a friend of mine uh, just got engaged, and also it's his, her, the, the, the female presenting person in the relationship's birthday. I was like, I don't know how to, I don't want to 
step out on your toes. Uh, so it was a uh, 40th birthday slash kind of anniversary or uh, engagement celebration. Uh, and, and it was the first time I've been to a brunch and not worked it in, oh God, to, to, I'd say about 17 years. Wow. As, uh, anyway, ask anyone in the restaurant industry, if you work brunches, you don't want to go to them. Um, it's not, it's not a shift that makes you fond of that meal time. Uh, but it was nice. Uh, and the staff was very, very good. And I, I don't think we were too annoying. There was like, we had like the kind of like the little alcove where they put large groups cause there was like 18 of us. And, uh, it was, it was cool. I, I think I've been to Houston maybe twice in my life. So went to the zoo, brought my daughter down. So we kind of did some like just fun daytime stuff. And, and now school's back in session. So I have more time to myself. <laughs> like I have to work during the day, but somehow I like, she has to go to bed on time more or less. And she, you know, she's gone during the day. So I did that. I made lots of soup this week as well. It's finally gotten chillier down here in Texas. Like it finally nice. got freezing. So I made onion soup and egg drop soup and black bean soup. Awesome. <laughs> I haven't made any potato soup yet, but that's going to be next. It is soup weather. I made butternut squash soup today. Ooh. Oh, and I don't know if you could, I'm going to shine a light behind me. Anyone that's not watching that super exclusive Patreon video, uh, I hung up my Sega Genesis, which is kind of right off. There we go. I've been hanging up all my systems on the Sega! sides of my <laughs> on the sides of my bookcase. I think I still have to hang up the Wii U, <laughs> and then I'll be just about done. Oh no! Now I can't turn the light off on my phone. <laughs> Come on! It's like the unpacking yeah. game I was playing last oh, week. You... Okay, I hit the button. Oh, weird! It's we're just okay. The phone has gone weird. The button showed that it was off, but it was still making light. Hmm. It's possessed. I live Oops. in a cursed house. It's going to be a weird show. Maybe take a sip of my Great. second cocktail. Wow, you, so, you, you've gotten into the pre-gaming. Like, I was doing that I, the first few shows, and now uh, it's your turn. Normally I wouldn't, and the weird thing is, is tequila is generally not one of my favorite uh, spirits. Um, and I, I had no shame to it, really, but... I'm trying to think, like, right when I started drinking is right when tequila started to become popular again in the U.S. And, like, that early 2000s, like 2002, 2004, six. that was kind of, prior to that, it was, actually, rum was really popular. Whiskey was still, it had its own undercurrent, but, like, wasn't, like, mainstream popular. Vodka, I think, was really kind of the biggest thing. Because you used to have vodka bars. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, so uh, it's weird. So tequila was definitely one of the last things I had any appreciation for, but uh, it 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 does make a good cocktail, which I appreciate. Um, and by itself, you have to get a really nice one, because otherwise, well, with a lot of the commercialism and and naming schemes that we'll get into in a bit, tequila can be mistreated, or the or the name tequila can be mistreated. It absolutely can. So do you want to take us way back to the origins? I will. Here, I'm going to play a pronunciation. Oh. Pulque. 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 So we'll talk about pulque. 
<laughs> because there is plenty of evidence out there and it's kind of the evolution of tequila. It's not tequila per se, but back in like 250, 300 AD, the Aztecs were making, they were fermenting juice of the agave for ceremonial wine, plaque. Pluque? Pulque. I spelled it pulque. I put it wrong. No, I copied yeah, and pasted yeah. that. So, okay, the source had that wrong. But it looks like plaque on, on your notes. Yeah. And, Gingivitis. Uh, I didn't type that, so that's not my fault. But uh, anyway, the, the liquid is very important to Aztec culture. They worship these gods. Uh, Mahuel is the goddess of Magway, and her husband, Patacatl, uh, the god of pulque. And there's a really cool story behind that goddess. Um, she had their uh, like paintings um, of her nursing her children. She had all these rabbit children. And she's like the drunken rabbit goddess. And, and there's this, she was apparently nursing them and pro providing pulque instead of milk. And it's the drunken rabbit goddess uh, with like hundreds of rabbit babies. <laughs> so that's neat. And the, and the process of that was quite different than what we know as tequila and uh, as mezcal today. But that's where... I found a lot of things in this book, and I did put, uh, for those uh, who want to check our show notes or go to Patreon, The uh, Drunken Botanist is this fantastic book I got. It's by Amy Stewart. My husband got this to me, I think, a year ago, a year and a half, and um, it's got, like, botanical history, because all alcohol at some point, it's coming from plants first, and... Mm -hmm. I was like, well, what's in here about tequila? Oh, agave is the first thing because it's all alphabetical. And so I read this and I found all this great information. Like, uh, they call it a centennial plant, agave. And it's not really, it's just a romantic way to name it. Because it doesn't sound cool to say a decade plant. Because that's about how long it, or how often it actually blooms. And... Pulque was made by when it would bloom, that's how they would know, like it was time and all the sugars produced and they would hollow it out and aggravate the shit out of the inside of it. And so it would start producing all this sap and they would ferment this sap and it ferments super fast um, because of these microbes that they grow on sugarcane and on agave. Um, agave is more like... Um, an asparagus, it turns out, than it is like cactus. It's not a cactus. And these microbes, it's really interesting. Uh, they like this sweet stuff, but they will ruin it really quick too. And they try to keep it away from other fermenting products like beer. It'll ruin it. Uh, it's known to make ciders go bad very quickly. Uh, but it's the same thing that makes uh, pulque become a nice mild four to six percent beverage very quickly and it is so efficient at producing ethanol that they use it in making biofuels today so <laughs> cool uh, as long as you can isolate that stuff so the agave used now and we'll talk a lot about that with like the history and the different kinds and there's different strains and blah 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 um, is actually not from this sap at all. Distilling pulque doesn't work. It's terrible. It's smelly. 
Um, there's a whole history that's interesting to read about, about how smelly it is and people trying to distill it and that's bad. But then they discovered that the uh, ancient uh, Mexicans were instead cutting down and getting basically the choke. It's called a piña out of the agave plant, like right when it's going to blossom, they cut it down, they get this piña out, they put it underground, they roast it, and they were distilling that. And then the Spaniards came and they escalated with different methods they brought to make distilling more efficient. But the agave distilling process we know today is, uh, yeah, it's from that heart of the plant, not from the, the blossoms. Um, but they still do have to wait that, you know, seven to ten years or whatever, because that's still the time where you go ahead and harvest that. Because it's got the sugars, and as we know. That's where you get the alcohol. I, I like that. So it's, so it's not a decennial plant because it's not every decade. It's every seven years, which I think would make it a cicada. Well, so, <laughs> it's a, you know, it's like seven to ten. There's it's some variants. There's some variants in there. <laughs> but they call it a centennial plant, which is like, I don't know. But I guess they were just wandering around the desert actually doing mezcal, which is not related. Uh, or, uh, mescaline. 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 And and didn't. I mean, what is that? It's entire. It's peyote is an entirely <laughs> different thing. But the, the there's a plant name that's um. They were calling it, and it just created a linguistic problem. But no, these are not related at all. Yeah. No, agave is is a succulent, though, isn't it? Huh? I know you say I know you're saying asparagus, but isn't agave is a, is a succulent? We should have talked about this before the show. That was my bad. <laughs> okay. Some people think it is a kind of cactus. In fact, it is a member of the botanical order Aspergallus, making it more similar to asparagus and a few other unlikely relatives, the shade-loving gar garden ornamental hosta, blue hyacinth bulb, and spicy desert yucca. So, I mean, there is a picture. You can see if you, if you have yucca that grows around you. I mean, I know we kind of have that here. You probably do. Um, it, it's got a little bit of spikiness, but it, it doesn't look at all like... Yucca doesn't look like other cactuses either, right? It doesn't look like prickly right. pear. Right? It's not related. It's not in that same family at all. Right. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean... I mean I, it just has I've spiky seen, leaves seen like asparagus does. And yeah. It looks kind of like yucca, but it's related to hostas and stuff. Yeah, because a, a succulent, like cacti or succulents, but not... It's like not all succulents are cacti. It's the whole cognac brandy right. thing. But is um, not, I, I don't believe, a uh, aspergillus or succulents. Because hostas aren't. Hyacinth isn't. Um, hyacinth? Yeah. Blue hyacinth bulb is also related. Oh. So anyway, they don't bloom every hundred years. They bloom about every eight to ten. Gotcha. So, but the anticipated bloom is important because it yields the raw ingredients for tequila, mezcal, and oh wait, plenty of other. It is. You're right. Doesn't other drinks distilled from from the strange heat loving succulent. So it is a succulent. Okay. There we go. So that's your gallus, but it's a succulent. It's a succulent, but it's not just the cactus you would picture in your head. So it's a succulent aspergillus. Shorthand, suck ass. It, right? That was to say, it sounds uh, you very euphemistic. No I, way. 
That was a long road to get there, and that wasn't a joke I planned, but I feel like I should take credit for it. See, if I had taken better notes, we could have prepared, and that would have been not something you had to edit to get to the joke. (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to edit that. I'm going to leave that in. That was a fun journey. I enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, but I feel bad for, like, missing that it was a succulent after all this reading I did today. But I mean, and that's only... I was just so taken by, like, oh, it's like asparagus, really? Like, because I thought it was more cactus-y. Same family. Yeah. I mean, I uh, to me, what what got me is you, you were talking about those. Also, the uh, when you're talking about pulque and the and the smell, I'm like, we like asparagus. Asparagus does not smell great, especially once digested. That's only some people <laughs> that can smell that. By the way, if you didn't oh. know, that's a genetic trait. Only some people could oh, get like that the... smell from asparagus. Oh, okay, I didn't it smells that. great to me. Yeah, although it makes sense to me now because now that knowing that they uh, harvest this pina and it's like an artichoke heart. Right, because mm-hmm. it's got the choke and everything, that that would be very right. cactusy. Why? Well, so, and that's what I really like about that. Uh, uh, um, from the historical uh, and the, the context of it, it becoming a thing, is it's still humans finding the starchy center of something, of a plant. Yeah, different part of the world, but go and, and, and I mean stuff we've looked at from like early fermentation distillation of rounds. Uh, the, the turn of the the BC to AD Gregorian calendar, whatever. <laughs> it's around the same time, plus or minus 500 years, figuring out, hey, here's a starchy thing. Hey, we can ferment it. Hey, we can drink. And then, hey, and, we can distill it, make it stronger. <laughs> and also being generally part of religious rituals, which is how it came about in, in European and, and African And uh, you know, contexts. this isn't one that... I think this is the first one where it still had a religious connotation, but not so much the medical. Mm, mm-hmm. Like even with Jim, the juniper yeah. edition was, he thought it was going to cure kidney disease. Like, and sometimes it's for sanitizing and like, there's these medicinal ideas that they have um, with extracts and being, this is so plant-based and did have all this, you know, uh, ritualistic stuff going on it, it i didn't find anything particularly medicinal attributed to it hmm interesting and i wonder if it was because so even as you were as you were talking about the uh, uh the goddess uh breastfeeding her rabbit children but the milk was pulque mm-hmm. i'm like I'm, i the one of the one of the thoughts i had was uh uh teething i mean like the like the kind of the mm-hmm. Like, oh, rub some whiskey on their gums or whatever. I'm like, it, 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 that could have been partially instructional. Like, hey, if your kids are these freaking rabbits that are just going crazy and they're all crying, rub a little pulque on their gums. <laughs> yeah, but pulque is like 4 to 6%. I mean... I mean, I don't know. Okay, well then give them a... You'd have to drink... I mean, well, maybe small gourd. a lot. It, it may have had more to do with fertility. I mean, we're yeah. talking about oh, well, yeah. producing like rabbits, and, and the pulque would definitely help with that. <laughs> Are you saying alcohol makes people randy? I mean, when your fertility rate is low, just give everybody a dose of tequila. <laughs> oh, things I should not say out loud. Um, <laughs> wow. I guess so I anyway. have to start. Yeah, okay. 
So uh, as we, this is one of the few times I was always considering putting origins and history together because they often go hand in hand. Uh, but there's a tequila has a, a long history, and I mean there's a ton out there. Uh, so I, I kind of, as I tend to do, focused on like a lot of like the rules and the documentation and the regulation. Um, so I, I, I pulled like kind of some, some interesting facts that I thought were from, um, mid last century that I thought was interesting is that tequila, uh, by U S classification kind of went the way of bourbon uh, or, or ended up in the way of bourbon. And in that originally it, to be tequila, it had to be a hundred percent agave distillate. That was it. Agave distilled tequila. Otherwise, it wasn't. But then it went down to 70%. So like in like 1950 to 1964. 1964 dropped to 70% agave. And now, to be tequila, it has to be a minimum of 51%. Like bourbon is 51% corn. Tequila now has to be 51% agave. The rest can be whatever else you want to ferment with it. Which is why... And we'll get into like uh, in a bit. We'll get into the other. I found uh, different codes. information there. Like it wasn't whatever else. It was a, the there are like a gazillion varieties of agave. It doesn't have to all be blue agave from uh, and brewed in tequila like the Mexican law prescribes. But there are a lot of different varieties of agave that can be used. It can be I, other. No, because so it has to be sixty-one percent, not blue agave, but agave. Uh, oh wait, no, it has to be fifty-one percent blue agave. It can be other agaves in there, but it can also be. I know it can be sugarcane, oh, and there's okay, yeah, at yeah. least there's at least two other sugar derivatives that it can be added into it that that I saw listed. Then I think the quote was and others, <laughs> uh, which I mean you're not going to get generally like potatoes or probably you're not going to get barley out there uh, so so it's more i'm sure it's more what they have on hand however when you get into really cheap tequila or mixed tequilas which we'll get into in a minute like you're going to find that producers will find ways to to add blend fortify and or weaken your your actual tequila mix i brought bottles as examples too <laughs> Of course you did. Yes, I did. Yes. Because I brought the one everyone knows, and then I brought a different one that... Yeah. 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 A lot yeah. of clever labeling happens. Um, it does. But, but you... you um, Before we get into, like, labeling and usage and types and stuff, uh, you you did a whole bunch of research on the legal classification. So I brought up like, sort of, like, the history, U.S. history adaptations. But that's... U.S., although we have parts of Mexico now incorporated into us. <clears throat> Tequila is made in Mexico. And that's, well, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Like, it's, we import it, so we don't make it there. So it's they have their own laws and regulations around it. Yeah, Mexican laws say tequila can be produced only in the state of Jalisco, Jalisco. Jalisco, and limited municipalities in uh, Guanajuato, Michoacan, Nayarit, and Tama... Tamaulipas? I don't know. But anyway, tequila is recognized as a Mexican designation of origin. 
like that's an appellation. DOO is something uh, we'll talk about, and I think we have refers to before. Um, but they, um, it is recognized as a DO product in more than 40 countries. But it was protected, and I thought this was interesting, through NAFTA in Canada and the U.S. until July 2020, and through bilateral agreements with individual countries like Japan and Israel, like they all recognize this, it can only be produced in that area. And it's uh, been a protected designation of origin product in the European Union, Union since 1997. So that's interesting. Like there, there's this whole list of like, different kinds of tequila and how much stuff they can have in them. Like you talked about before percentages, but where it's produced um, is so locked down compared to what it can be made of. <laughs> Even mm -hmm. though if you look through the history of like the families, I was surprised to find the Cuervo family. Everyone knows Cuervo's name, but they were one of the, like one of the oldest distillers, commercial distillers that are still doing it. Um, their their bottle says 1795 we haven't changed anything um <laughs> but this uh, whole quero if you go to the wiki you'll find this cuervo family history and they really do have a lot to do with like the origination of distilling it in a way that could be mass produced yeah because because of the spanish or let's say yeah. the europeans but yeah so um yeah, the Spanish. That's a whole thing. I do want to say there's a well, no, I'll, I'll, there's something I want to say later because I found a really funny um, description of Mezcal tequila that I think you'll enjoy. So. so one thing I thought was kind of funny, but but in in that that sort of that locked downness that 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 grasp that Mexico has on the domain of origin of of tequila, is I. I, I was kind of skirted along there. I'm like, well, why don't we have Canadian mezcal? <laughs> like something that's the and mezcal being the kind of the umbrella above what tequila is. And I guess blue agave specifically uh, really only grows in that region. Although there are other agaves, blue agave really only grows right around. And that's why it's uh, uh, Jalisco and like kind of it's, it's neighboring portions of its neighboring territories is that's just where it grows and it's so temperamental as a plant yeah blooming every seven years as it does yeah the the blue agave uh, is a tequiliana it's weber blue and there's right. that's a botanical um designation by the first guy who collected and recorded it in that area it is a very specific plant even though uh and it's been there's actually danger because it is being harvested so much and they've uh it's a um, monoculture now oh, no. and yeah so it's getting disease vulnerable because they're using a lot of you know herbicides and pesticides and it's prone to these um oh what's the 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 bug they say is in the jar but that's not what's in the actual damn jar uh <laughs> um the grubs the snout weevil the agave snout weasel weevil isn't it's pro it likes it but it burrows in so it's like pesticide resistant mm. and they're becoming less and less uh protected by diversity 
because of the monoculture it's become to produce the blue agave because that's the prime you can only call certain you know things proper tequila if they are only mm. blue agave and so it's in danger unless they go out and they start planting it in the wild or planting more native plants with it and more varieties of agave to get it to re-diversify yeah oh my gosh yeah, that's, that was sad to hear today. And that's and and, and for anyone that doesn't understand what monoculture is, mon, it's it's what it sounds like. It's when you only grow one thing in an area and you make sure that nothing else can grow. Um, unfortunately, that's not how plants or humans or anything else has evolved. Uh, so even like with fungus in the soil, like you need a lot of other things living around your plants to make sure that you're healthy and then can survive. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the danger of although that worked for 50, 60 years ish, let's say in the U.S. It's really because that's that's been the evolution of it starting hitting its peak. And now people are going, oh, this is bad. Yeah. And there's a twofold thing where um, apparently people are going out and getting harvesting all the wild stuff, too, to make non tequila, you know, variant or it's sure. of and um they're seeing that as an unlimited supply and just wrecking it, especially with this. If you don't let them flower and seed, mm. like some of them uh, produce in a way that can create offshoots, but they're also decimating wild populations going out as if and acting it. So it's like this double-edged sword, right? We have to find a way to responsibly handle this because you can go the monoculture way and you think you're protecting it until you overprotect, you know, and, and make it vulnerable and inbred, basically. <laughs> or you overharvest the wild and then you don't have the variety to bring the plant back into its natural evolution. So, yeah, we, we have some uh, agave danger. <laughs> I feel like agave danger could be my stage name. <laughs> another shot, another round of warm tequila shots. They call me agave danger. <laughs> so I want to I want to say this is like this was the super the I think the funniest thing I read today was over the last few centuries and until the last decade or so agave based spirits were considered to be rough products that in no way compared to a good scotch or a cognac, um, but they are if you know what you're doing and you know what to get you can like straight up it doesn't it, these lime or salt it's to cover bad things um, we talked about the bad things. But uh, there's a funny, in 1897, a scientific American reporter wrote that mezcal <laughs> is described as tasting like a mixture of gasoline, gin, and electricity. Tequila is even worse and is said to incite murder, riot, and revolution. <laughs> oh, like America's never had a revolution before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we had that instead of beer, I mean, who knows what we would have done. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the yeah. forefathers were drunk, by the way. Um, that's why we had a revolution. So let's not, not mince words. Let's drink history. <laughs> <laughs> I I like that description. Like, and I, like I said, and I, I certainly grew up with that outlook of tequila, of being like, it's it's what you do when you're at your lowest of your low. It's not a respectable drink, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. I don't, th what I was, I know I was working at canoe 
um, I want to say it was probably my, first, my early on first year or two. And I, I, I mean, I'd been bartending for almost 10 years at that point. Still didn't really like tequila. And finally, one of my friends that I worked with took me out and she's like, look, we're going to drink tequila until you like it. And not in the mean way where like, we're going to do shots of Jose. No offense, Burbos, but uh, you're one of my counterexample bottles. Um, but we, so we did, but, but we did like little tastings. We went to a bar. And we're like, oh yeah, everything except for the top shelf is whatever, $5 a shot. They're doing some sort of special. And I was like, well, I don't like tequila. We're here to find which one I like. If I do, can we do like half shots and kind of go like that? And the, you know, it was late. We, obviously we we're industry people. So the bartender was like, oh yeah, for, yeah, let's do it. 250 for half shots. And we went down just bottle by bottle. Finally, we landed on one. It was a Kahlo liqueur or Kahlo tequila named after Frida Kahlo. I had her little portrait on the, on the bottle, the famous monobrow. And it was the first time I tasted tequila and went, oh my gosh, like this is, you can drink this neat and this tastes fine. It was smooth. It was palatable. It had that, that, uh, I can't express it any other way than that kind of agave taste where it's kind of vegetal on the nose. It feels, smells a little bit like butterscotch, but on the tongue, it's just, it was just smooth, slightly syrupy and went down. I was like, oh. I could drink this all day and not the most expensive tequila. It was, I think it's now retails for 75, 80 a bottle. Not, not cheap. It's not, it's not Cuervo gold, but Cuervo gold is gold because they add coloring to it. Um, haha, gotcha. <laughs> but it's, it's just like anything else. If you take the time to find something that you like and also to get something that's well-made, it's going to be delicious. Uh, with, with the care and the craft is put into it so i my introduction of tequila was somebody telling like putting it in beer and telling me that was a thing and i was sicker than anyone has ever sick <laughs> and uh so i didn't drink tequila for uh like 15 20 years like later somebody talked me into it and uh <laughs> Got brought some a nice bottle over to sit and sip and taste and I was like, oh, all right, that's you know, and that was just a thing that me and that one person would occasionally do, and we had this bottle and we'd have a little bit of tequila, and I was like, okay, I don't hate it now, and it doesn't hate me, and then I didn't, uh, I, but I didn't bother. I never sought it out. It wasn't my thing, and in bars, tequila is often the the cocktails are just. Stuff like I'm drinking right now, tequila sunrise. I happen to have the stuff in the house. It's I don't usually drink sweet drinks, um, but my neighbors, I have Mexican neighbors, <laughs> and so uh, some years ago we get invited over there for barbecue. And Mexican barbecue is a whole other thing, by the way. It's a big pot of boiling stuff on a fire. It's not what we would. It's not grilling. So anyway, uh, I don't speak. Spanish and some of them have some Spanglish and the women all sit inside and they knit and talk and I generally end up outside at the fire with the guys drinking tequila and I go and they had like I remember this New Year's and this is a lovely thing North Carolina it's January but you know you go outside we're all sitting around the fire and they had so many different kind of they had relatives in from out of the country out of town and everybody had a different bottle of tequila and a paper plate with like limes and salt and just passing around bottles and passing around <laughs> plates. 
and I got to try all these different kinds of tequila and it was interesting and they were also very different and I had a great time and I was fine until I stood up and there was one I liked that none of them liked. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's a humidor. It's like not an expensive. Oh vodka. yeah, it's not, no, it's but not. It's it's peppery, and I loved the pepperiness, and yeah, they all hated it. So yeah, long story short, Rob went home a long time before Miguel helped me get down to my house. It's you know some stairs between our houses, and uh, left the bottle for me. And Rob woke up in the morning to like, why, why is there a full bottle of tequila in the kitchen? <laughs> like, well, that's mine now. Um, <laughs> so I don't, it's not a regular drink of mine, but I did gain an appreciation for a lot of different characteristics it can have. I did go out, uh, I think it was my 40th birthday. I decided to try Picklebacks which around here is tequila taste with pickle juice. And uh, the bars around here will give you one free drink on your birthday. And I decided to do that. Let's try that. And that's an interesting thing. Because, like, you taste tequila, and even if you're, like, doing a cheap tequila, and it's got that burn, and I know it shouldn't, and that's a bad thing to drink. But, boy, the salt brine sour smooths it right the hell out. And it, makes that just a a good experience in your mouth, and then it doesn't it doesn't hurt like you would think something acidic would be a bad idea. It's not. It just does something magical with tequila um, that isn't just covering. So I, I did one at uh, the one place, and then I went to the other place, and then I went to the other place, and I did the one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, more floor. I walking out of a bar that has a slant. <laughs> Oh I, no! Oh no! I slid on my knees, and <laughs> and then uh, Bubba, my local handyman who helped fix my sink today, and my husband poured me into a vehicle and took me home. Uh, so yeah, those are my tequila stories. They're they're not they're not fancy, like yours. <laughs> uh, I mean, I but have it's not other my ones. regular drink. It's not. <laughs> I can appreciate its complexity now that I know it's not just the garbage, whatever yeah. they put the coloring in, that you will mix with something just so you can swallow it. There are definitely sipping enjoyable varieties as much as something li- like a, a whiskey that that is complex and, and I can appreciate. I discovered, uh, well, no, I... Somebody left me a drink at the bar the other day, and it was tequila and cranberry. And I was like, that's weird. And then I found out it's like an orange, some kind of orange tequila and cranberry. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. It has nothing to do with the tequila, that that was palatable. If they're flavoring tequilas, I'm pretty sure, even though they're putting it up on that shelf and charging more, that's some garbage alcohol in that bottle. And I would never drink more than one. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the same thing. If you see an orange vodka, if you see an orange whiskey, uh, Jameson orange, which smells like Tic Tacs and tastes like shame. It's, it's just, <laughs> it, it, no, you, you're doing that because you have subpar, but passable product that you can flavor and then go, here's the thing. 
right. You know, and it's funny you mentioned because Guy used to make a citron vodka that I liked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now they changed it. It's just like lemon. And it's obviously just flavored and bad. Like before it tasted like... um more like a zest it, it yeah. had that you know that going on like Versus if i like were an to use yeah. a vodka yeah. i would use some zest mm-hmm. it had that going on and the stuff on the shelf now is not the same thing it's just like freaking i don't know extract or something and it's i'm not buying that <laughs> <laughs> nor should you that's and it's 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 the the i hate to say it, but like the inevitable cycle of capitalism uh, and try, I'm, tr- I'm going to try to keep this just a liquor, <laughs> but, but you'll, you'll see it. Like anytime something gets good, it'll, it'll get distilled down into something else to use our parlance. Uh, and, um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a counter example. Cause it's like all the time, there's tons of flavors coming out. Uh, I love, I love going to like a local bar and like the, one of the bartenders or the staff will be like, oh yeah, we've been infusing this vodka rum whatever choose your spirit in this barrel for the last month and there's like a little tap on it and it says like five dollars or seven dollars and we'll make you a cocktail like yes give me that because that's gonna be awesome mostly even if it's not my spirit thing right yeah right i actually did look up i have another book uh of, of infusing spirits and i did look up to see what they had for tequila and just a handful of things but they made sense it was things like cayenne or black pepper, um, things that I, I'd be curious to try infusing a tequila, and it deserves that. And to me, that's the opposite, right? The opposite of all this flavored spirits of garbage on the shelf, which are just added sugar and flavoring, is the bespoke movement that we are seeing um, with mixologists and uh, mm-hmm. home brewers and and people like me who just like to experiment with infusing things with things that I grow yeah, or, or oh. find and then inventing a cocktail. So this bespoke movement and, and like Rob called our show on New Year's, right? It's like the, the art and science and history of fancy drinking, right? Like <laughs> make it bespoke. This is what this is what the the pandemic gave us. <laughs> yes, and there's not <laughs> Make a some wrong. Shit at home. <laughs> there's not a wrong thing you can do. Uh, so, so like there was uh, some 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 of the categories I left out, but I'll mention now before we get like into the types and uses of tequila. Yeah. But one of them was flavored tequilas, and that's a thing. Uh, and the the ones that are mass produced, you probably don't want because it would taste better if you zested your own lemon or lime or orange and rested on tequila that you like. And let that sit for a few weeks, and then strained it out, and made a made a cocktail with it. You're almost guaranteed, you'll like that more than one of the ones you can buy off the shelf. And it's not hard to do. And, and, and if you want, you can email me, contact us through Patreon. I'll show you how to do it. I'll make a video. Not that doesn't bother me because I would do that anyway, and I do that all the time because I've I've lived in places where a fantastic spirit is cheap, whether it's in the south, whether it's in. The, 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 basically right by whiskey country, bourbon country. I've lived in the Caribbean and I would buy f- amazing rum for like six bucks because it was made down the street and that's the cost and they don't care because they make money and they don't have to export it. They don't have to pay duties and tariffs and taxes and all these things. So I would spend my days just infusing there. 
you can make amazing stuff. You, whoever's listening, you can make amazing stuff and it's fantastic. And you can put whatever you want in there and you can experiment. And if it tastes bad, well, then you're going to have a weird drinking experience and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I did actually have that happen this summer. I infused that pineapple sage that I thought was a really great idea. It's not, I'm not finding something good to mix it with, but you know. I, yeah, but, but I mean, that's the part of the fun challenge too, is then to go, all right, what goes with this? What can I find that, or what else can I make up that goes with this? And it kind of stretches your mind creatively, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, do it in jelly jars. You do it in jelly jars in a cupboard and then you Mm -hmm. didn't even waste a bunch and you know, if you have a new thing. Yeah. And don't do what I do. Well, or do what I do and get gallon or 1.5 gallon jars, (laughs) do massive infusions because at a you're gonna go to a party. <laughs> Speaking I mean, of, you know what you're doing. I did have a uh, habanero tequila last week that a friend of mine infused at home, mm-hmm. um, and oh, didn't tell me like at first it was just like, hey, I have habanero tequila. Like I thought she bought it off the shelf. Anything store bought that has a spicy pepper, it's not spicy. You might have some heat. This was spicy, like it was appreciably oh, spicy. <laughs> And I brought ingredients that when, you know, I'm going to say, all right, well, like, I know what a habanero tastes like. It's, it's, it's a pepper, but it has its own unique taste. It's got the kind of a little bit of fruity. It's got some vegetal. So I brought like some ginger and I brought a, um, a, a, a honey ginger syrup and I brought lemon juice because lemon goes better actually than lime in that, in that situation because it goes better with the, hab- uh, the habanero. Uh, anyway, so I was making these cocktails with that. They're like, how'd you know how to do that? I'm like, ah, I've drank all this stuff or eaten all this stuff at some point. I know how to put it together. Okay, so uh, other ways tequila exists and is used today, uh, which I wanted to talk about, especially like the types of tequila. Uh, so tequila is made or produced in kind of two categories. And I kind of I threw the name out there before. Uh, and whether or not, basically it's pure or not. So if it's a mixed tequila or mixto, it's labeled as tequila. You know, so you won't, you won't ever see a tequila labeled mixto. It'll just say tequila. Uh, or it's it's labeled as 100% agave tequila, or it'll sometimes say 100% pure agave or pure blue agave. But it would have to have 100% and tequila in the same phrase before any sort of period or punctuation. So that's the pure stuff. That's a, That is just... Blue agave tequila. And uh, if anyone is watching video, I'm going to hold up two examples. So here is Jose Cuever Especial, made with blue agave. Gold tequila. The camera's backwards, but it's, that's what it says right there. Look at that. So, And I, I have the silver. This is Mixto. Mixto. It says made with blue agave. Made with. <laughs> made with. It's funny how it's like, it's Especial. And it's blue label. It's made with blue agave. It's also full of shit. Um, it's not, but it's 49% uh, other stuff. Whereas this one says 100% uh, de agave. Uh, reposado. Okay. Hecho in Mexico. Reposado. So that is 100% agave tequila. Your hangovers, a lot more often than not, will come from the ones <laughs> that are... Real tequila, especial. Uh, but that's that's hit or miss. Don't drink a ton, and you won't get hungover as much. 
Uh, but those are the two main groups, whether or not it's pure or 100% from one distillate or it's mixed with other things uh, uh, prior to distillation. Uh, I don't believe you're allowed to actually mix it after distillation, like adding grain-neutral spirits, like some other liqueurs out there. So those are the two main things. And it's called mixto, by the way, because the idea or the thought behind it, maybe the reasoning nowadays, is that you would mix it with other things to make a cocktail versus sipping it neat. Which those are certainly better in those instances. And mixto, you can throw in a margarita and you probably won't be too much worse for the wear. So there are different kinds of tequilas. There's silver, which is generally, you know, it's clear. That's what uh, September held up. But if you're, of course, if you're not watching the video, it's a... Uh, it's the, the, it's clear spirit. You know, it could be vodka, it could be gin, it could be tequila. Silver tequila is clear. It may be rested in wood. If it is, it's less than 60 days. Generally, it's not, though. You're, you're going to be finding some small batch falutin thing when you're there, like, if they're going to talk about, well, we rested it in oak for 45 days. It's generally not worth the cost for a producer to do that. So, uh, so then you have gold. Same age, if rested in wood at all. But it has uh, colors and or flavorings added to it to make it gold. So we like the example of the Jose Cueva Especial. It was not aged. It should not be this yellowish uh, dehydrated color. apparently add oak extract, <laughs> glycerin, and or sugar syrup. Oak extract. Yeah. How, what? That's gold. Yeah. How much more insanity. Do we have to tolerate? Because that's the next level, by the way. After gold is reposado. Aged. Mm -hmm. uh, rested. Reposado. Rested in oak. Or home oak, which is a uh, Mediterranean variety of oak. Yeah, the book um, I have here says aged in, uh, reposado is aged in French oak or white oak for at least two months. French oak or white oak? Yeah. Weird. Okay, so I had holm oak or quote-unquote oak, because holm is technically a different variety of wood. Hmm. Um, so I suppose, I mean, French or white would fall into that category. American oak is a white oak. So, yes. Sure. <laughs> French oak, though. Uh, French, has, that has to be newer, because they did not, I don't think they started out with French wood. I'm just looking at the field guide I have. As much as I appreciate the French and all that they've done for kissing. Um, <laughs> I pre-gamed. Anyway, uh, but it's wood, wood aged, uh, oak aged. Bam, reposado. But reposado, by the way, is greater than 60 days and less than a year. Once you get past that, you have añejo. The same word as año, year. So añejo has been uh, aged or rested in wood for greater than a year, but less than three years. That's your añejo. Okay. Uh, and you can usually tell by the color at this point. So like um, I had a, the reposado I held up before, very straw, light yellowy color on the bottle. Añejo, you'll get like a like a real Chardonnay yellow kind of color to it. And then you have reposado. Reposado, or sorry, uh, extra, sorry, la, 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 la. silver, gold, we're not going to talk about gold, reposado, añejo, and extra añejo. Extra añejo is greater than three years aging. 
It can get dark so, at that point. That's when you're getting into kind of like whiskey territory as far as like yeah. the taste and the, the complexity. Yeah, because it's like at least three years. And uh, a detail I have about the Añejo and the extra Añejo mm-hmm. is that apparently also, uh, along with the time constraints, they're in 600 liter or smaller barrels. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That they are aged. I, I neglected so. to, to, to make notes for the yeah the size of the, the cask that they can be rested in. Because uh, Reposado, they actually, I don't think there is a limit. Or if there is, it's ridiculously large yeah, for the limit of the one. barrel size. It's just a, um, like at least two months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, look, man, just try. Could you just, just do that for us? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, I, and that's, I mean, that's a lot of distinctions and I, I appreciate that because they, the flavor varies widely in those spirits in those ages versus you know, like, as I, we've, we've talked about before bourbon, uh, was it, oh no, darn you pre-gaming. It's either two or three years, uh, minimum. I want to say it was two minimum. For what? Uh, bourbon. Oh, I don't know. That was another show. Sure it was two. Um, <laughs> But you're thinking like if that's a minimum aging to get the spirit that you want, and then you're looking at this other spirit that can be good clear, it can be good in <laughs> in two months or three months, and then at a year you're like, man, how can <laughs> we can we do this more? Should we? I don't know. And then by the time that it's the bourbon is ready, we're like, look, this is our this is one of our most expensive things. So it. Yeah, it takes on a lot of the qualities of wood very quickly, uh, or the, basically the qualities of aging very quickly. Uh, so other other common uses of tequila, uh, and I, ha- I had to mention this because three years ago, roughly, give or take, I had to I had to go through the 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 pop culture evolution that is ranch water. Ranch water. I don't know ranch water. <laughs> I. So you remember White Claw? <laughs> yes. So right around the same time that White Claw was coming out, and what was the what was the just the the generic seltzer that everyone wanted? It was a flavor seltzer water. Um, oh. Yeah, you remember Truly. the one? Truly. No, no, that's also that's also alcoholic. Yeah. No, there's oh, a non-alcoholic, just like La Croix. no, an actual, no, an actual seltzer. Um, yeah, La Croix. Oh yeah. Oh, I said a La Croix. I thought you said the La claw. Croix. The claw, La like Croix. the white claw. <laughs> La Croix. We called it the claw. La Croix. Uh, La Croix. La Croix. So right around the time the the evolution of of alcoholic seltzers and La Croix, the non-alcoholic, but somehow it went from like two bucks for a twelve pack to like twelve bucks for a twelve pack. Uh, La Croix. Uh, ranch water became a thing, which was tequila, lime juice, and seltzer. That's ranch water. Okay. Because you know, that's what they drink on the ranch. Because someone's making soda water on a ranch. No. No. If anything, their ranch water should just be brown water. water. <laughs> that's well ranch water. water. Mm, that's you sulfur. To... <laughs> Why does it smell like sulfur? <laughs> you know why cows cows are why 
but so so ranch water has been a very popular tequila drink over the last few years. I fine. I mean, it's it's your vodka soda of of the now, which is fine. Um, I. I I, I don't know if that's what you want to do with good tequila, and I don't know that you want to drink de- bad tequila in that way. But it certainly has become popular. I can go to a gas. I can go to QT now, and they have their now right next to Truly is some other brand and just says Ranch Water. Like okay, made with one hundred percent stuff. Doesn't say blue <laughs> agave tequila, but it'll say like something else. Made with real agave wine. Okay, sure. sure. Uh, but it's, it's so tequila is definitely going through its own huge spike in popularity, uh, and this is partially due to celebrity endorsements. And I didn't note this in the doc, but I'm going to bring it up or mention it now because uh, there are tons of celebrity endorsed tequila. Michael Jordan has one. Sin Coro. Kendall Jenner has one. Eight one eight or ocho uno ocho. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson has Terramana tequila George Clooney and Ryan Gerber but or Randy Gerber either way everyone just knows that this is the George Clooney tequila it's Casamigos Eva Longoria has Casa del Sol which I actually didn't know that one before the show uh, the Chainsmokers which is a band has uh, Yaya or Haha depending on how <laughs> your, your Spanish pronunciation uh, Adam Levine has uh uh, Cali Rosso, Cali Rosa. Ah, goodness. Holy Nick holy. Jonas of the Jonas Brothers, Villa One. And Mark Wahlberg of, I don't know, uh, 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 physical assault fame, has Fletcher Azul. <laughs> I think he's a movie star as well, but I know he has a rap sheet. So let's, I think he has a burger chain as well. He has a tequila. Yeah. And... For mezcal, which is the 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 parent classification above uh, tequila, uh, there is uh, the oh shoot the two dudes from uh, Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston and Aaron. Let's just call him Aaron. I forgot I forgot his last name, but the both of them uh, made a or endorse have a celebrity endorsement for mezcal as well. Um, I missed meeting them because I made I made a mezcal cocktail because you know I'm a bartender and I was on the menu at my restaurant they came in and had it and they shook the hand of the guy that made it for him but i wasn't there so he just shook their hand and went that was really good I'm like that ah, shoot so, so i, I <laughs> oh, made well. I, I made one that was endorsed uh it used pulverized uh, um avocado in the cocktail so like if you think of like an egg white cocktail right okay this is me getting super oh, no, i've heard here. no no Actually, I've heard of that. I think I asked you about it before we started recording the show at some point about using avocado instead of egg white. Did you remember? We today? No, no, no. Like oh. months ago, before we started oh. recording the oh, show, months God. ago. At some point, I, had I come thought across, I was really drunk for a second. <laughs> no, I had come across using avocado <laughs> in place of egg white, reading somewhere, and I asked you about it. Did I say yes? So that's why I think this story sounds familiar. Yes. Yes. But yes. uh, Yeah. So like if you, you, I mean, you only want to use a little bit, but it's the same idea as you get like, we'd get like a couple thin slices of avocado put into a shaker, shake the sin out of it like you would with egg white and then strain it 
use like a little mesh strainer over your glass and you get a, a, a bit of that mouth feel going on, mm. uh, which is wonderful. I thought it was very clever. <laughs> it only lasted for as long as we had that drink on special, but it was, you know what? It was pretty great. And I still have one of my emptied number bottle numbered bottles from their early run production because I was very proud of myself. Nice. I feel like I got that handshake in, in, in memoriam in absentia, no, in absentia. There we go. <laughs> I said, this is my Truman show. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that I uh, I need to mention about uh, tequila before we move on. I, so I just mentioned that was a mezcal cocktail that I made with Brian Cranston, or made for him. Uh, uh, so mezcal is the the daddy category of tequila. It's made the same way. It's made from agave, just not blue agave, because there are <laughs> there are like 40 varieties of agave plants besides the the was the meyer blue what was uh it wasn't it wasn't meyer was it Mendoza? oh the uh <laughs> michoacan are you talking about the particular type of yeah the there was there was, there was an m word that was like it was like a something blue gentry. agave gentry hmm? gentry 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 blue. was not the word i was looking for okay that's okay uh, there was basically it was the person that decided to name that plant, uh, the Anglo person. Yes. Um, Gentry was Howard the Scott. Name? Howard Scott Gentry. He's the one that has the, the botanical designation for naming the particular blue agave. Oh, G- Gentry. I could have sworn it was an M name. Okay. Then I'm just, I was thinking of Mezcalis was the problem. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I promise you I'm looking at it right here in the book. I'm gonna look up at the show. I'm gonna feel really dumb. I'm sorry. Okay. No. <laughs> um, but the biggest note, besides uh, the mezcal being the parent category, is it's generally smoky tequila. You're not gonna get a smoky tequila, um, and and they vary widely. So if you you get it from one region to another, it's almost. I mean, to me, I would compare it like scotch because I drink a lot of scotch. Uh, at, at, I want to say growing up, growing up as a as a drinker. Uh, so you can really find wide variations in mezcal. Uh, so just think of that. If you try one, it's not going to taste the same from bottle to bottle and maker to maker. Uh, so with that said, <laughs> is there anything else fun that you learned that we didn't kind of have in the outline so far? Holy crap. Yeah. So I came across this thing about um, there's one ingredient that can make mezcal different from whiskey or brandy. A dead chicken. <laughs> so there's a mezcal called pechuga. Uh, it's a particularly rare version of mezcal that includes a wild local fruit added to the distillate for just a hint of sweetness. And a whole raw chicken breast, skinned and washed, is hung in the still. And as the vapors pass across it, the chicken is supposed to like balance the sweetness of the fruit. And in this book, it says, whatever its purpose it works. Do not pass up an opportunity to taste pechuga mezcal. And I have to say, I could not pass up that opportunity. I mean, <laughs> there is part of your brain going, ew. But, I mean, you gotta know. And it's hung there in the still. So, I mean, it's cooking. 
this is done at like what would be safe temperatures, right? And like, what's the fruit and the protein doing that's creating something with mezcal being like already this? They've cooked down to this smoky, you know, the 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 meat of the agave itself to this smokiness. Like, I I would want to try this. So, yes, uh, I I learned about dead chicken mezcal today. <laughs> So it's not actually put into the mezcal. It's just hung over it as it's It's distilling, hung right? like in the still. I feel like that's some weird version of smoking meat. Well, it's weird that they put like, it just says a wild fruit. <laughs> I don't know what wild fruit, but some wild fruit. And, and from wherever they were harvesting this mezcal, like there's a fruit over there. Let's try that. Um, but it could also be um, written that way because of the secrecy. Because I did also learn that, mm. holy moly, um, tequila and mezcal producers in these small villages, in these small local batch situations, are so particular. Like, if you're going to go and try to do a tour of these facilities and try to see them brewing, some of them, and I remember watching Taste of History where the, the, he was in one, and, like, they made him go take a shower first. Like, if you have soap, products like if you're wearing like they won't let you near their stuff because they're afraid it's going to mm. interfere with something in their scent profile so this is could very well just be written that way like we're not going to tell you what fruit we used <laughs> right like you american with your hair products and shit like <laughs> so yeah that was a a fun fact fun fact the word I was looking for was Weber. Weber blue agave. Okay. <laughs> That's, All right. That is a specific we'll subsection of blue agave. Oh, but okay. I'm pretty sure Weber uh, was not the uh, what the indigenous <laughs> people called it. Because um, they're not like, we're going to grill out Weber. Uh, that's not a that's not a <laughs> indigenous name. That's a that's an Anglo. European. No, no, it's not. Name. And yeah. and the Gentry guy was like he was the um, his name is Gentry. He worked for US <laughs> Yes, this guy the Gentry guy worked for USDA. He was a plant explorer for the USDA. Okay, yeah, yeah. So um yeah. To my other fun fact we already talked about was that agave plants take about seven years to mature. Another reason that you don't find a lot of the plants anywhere else in the world. Like we're like, let's find a similar climate in Africa. Great. Well, let's try to transfer it, try to make it plant, try to make it work and then wait seven years. I, I don't think that there might be some <laughs> a whole centennial. Right. <laughs> There's not a lot of people that want to do that. Uh, I did learn, and I mentioned this before the show, but uh, I did learn a lot about NAFTA the North American Free Trade Alliance, NAFTA, uh, and and about our history with Mexico and our, our racist naming of the tequila crisis of 94. Tend nothing to do with tequila, tequila, but I read about it because I was like, oh my God, there was a tequila crisis? Because I took it literally, and, and white guys back then would go, no, let's just think of something that's from that nation and just call it that because sensitivity? Yeah. Uh, the tequila crisis referred to... Because everyone will know what we're talking about. Oh, my God. So that was an election year in Mexico. 
and January 1st of 1994, uh, the North American Free, Free Trade Alliance went into effect. There were several uprisings during that year, as tend to happen. Well, okay, as this article said, tends to happen in Mexico during election years. Don't know if that's accurate. I didn't go to research more elections because by that point in time, I was like, shit, this is not, has nothing to do with tequila. But I'm going to keep reading. Uh, but it is important within the context of our show because we did provide, us and the rest of the Free Trade Alliance did provide monetary uh, support to Mexico, bailouts, as we would call them now. Also, as you touched on before September, is that a lot of the classifications and legal restrictions around tequila were also enforced because of the North American Free Trade Alliance. So uh, I was reading another... Uh, Which uh, helped them article. protect their economic interest. Exactly. So like I was reading another article from a Canadian tequila enthusiast saying like, oh, well, you don't know why we call it tequila on these shelves and we can't call something else made from somewhere else tequila. It's because of this agreement, specifically in Canada, is what they were referring to. It was like, because before that, we didn't have a trade agreement. So, so that agreement was very important as far as the history of tequila and keeping it pure and as what it is. So did I spend an hour reading about something that I didn't want to? Yes. <laughs> but that is my little tidbit, my little nugget of this is still important. Yes. Ooh. Look at us learning stuff. Oh my gosh. So I guess now on to the featured cocktail this week. Excellent. The featured cocktail. I was going to do a margarita and provide some hints and tips and stuff on that. Um, then I realized I didn't have an orange liqueur of any kind. So besides Curacao, and I was not going to do that to people and go like, "Look, a margarita, it's blue." Oh, then you can't buy a little lazy. But... By the way, you can buy clear Curacao. You don't have to buy blue Curacao. But that's that's another show. Um, there's an island called Curacao. Yes. So my featured cocktail is a classic. Uh, oh my goodness, is a classic. Tequila cocktail, which is what the show is about today, called El Diablo. It was originally published in 1946 uh, by Trader Vic of the, the Tiki Bar franchise cocktail fame. Uh, he published it in one of his cocktail books. It was, a, it was I forget what it was called off the top of my head, but it was, it was, it was really generically called like food and drinks or food and beverages. Great. Cool. Uh, so this is technically a tiki cocktail, but it's a classic tequila cocktail. And I like it because it's different. It's not just citrus sugar tequila. It does have citrus and sugar in it, though. <laughs> so uh, on basics, uh, it's an ounce and a half of tequila. Silver or reposado is fine. I used a reposado today. Uh, half ounce of creme de cassis. Half ounce of lime juice. And this is built over the rocks in a tall glass, topped with ginger beer, about three ounces, stirred, and topped with a lime wedge. So that's, again, that's tequila, creme de cassis, creme de cassis lime juice, ginger beer, and a lime wedge. So, yes, you still, the creme de cassis is a sweet uh, black currant liqueur. So you'll have kind of a dark berry kind of note to it. It adds a appreciable level of sweetness. That half ounce to that one and a half ounces tequila 
I'm actually, as we were making this show, that was what I started with. Then I kind of poured myself another one because, but I didn't bring the creme de cassis over. And the difference in the sweetness note and the balance of the cocktail is huge. Uh, you need you need it in there. That little half ounce of that that cordial that liqueur makes a, a, a wonderful difference. And it's not overly sweet. It's not tequila sunrise grenadine sweetness. It's it's very very nice. I uh, highly recommend it. I've, I've made it for a lot of people behind the bar before. Um, that's why I keep creme de cassis at home. <laughs> I don't use it all that often. I use it for that drink. Uh, and even when I bought it, the store had one, and they didn't know they had one. It's it's not that it's not made. It's just not carried everywhere. So you might have to look around a little bit for it, but it's worth it. I promise. So that is the El Diablo. Originally called the Mexican El Diablo, and then people went, it's already in Spanish. We know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So please chime in by emailing us at tipplethery.com. Wait. <laughs> That's not an email address. But if you go to the website, I'm sure you can figure it out. We'd love to hear from you. There is. Uh, and don't forget to like, follow, and review us on the listening platform of your choice. Um, and please, yeah, next episode. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing so at myself. This is right. good. This is good. This is good. Good. Um, anyway, next episode, we're going to be talking about vermouth. Woo. Woo. All right, please check out patreon.com forward slash temple theory today, where you can become a supporter and get access to videos of these shows and of our cocktail of the week and maybe some other goodies. Thank you to Scott Gesser for writing the theme music that you're listening to right now. You can find him and link to his music links to his music at scottgesser.weebly.com. Nice.